Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Take out those notes that you got on your way in today. We are a note-taking church, and we're in a brand new series called Advent. Advent has been celebrated by the church since around the fourth century. Around the fourth century, we, we kind of nailed down the date that they, we celebrate that Jesus was born, which is December 25th, and that's kind of been the date for the last about 1,600 years that we've celebrated. And what they've done is they created kind of a season going in to um, Christmas where really we're, we're anticipating what is going to happen and what was kind of um, happening with Jesus coming. And we call it Advent because the word Advent right there in your notes, it means arrival. It means arrival. So it's like we're expecting a great arrival. And so we're, we're looking in anticipation for the arrival of Jesus's birth. And that's what people were doing 2000 years ago. But I want to kind of put a twist on it because as we are looking and really celebrating the arrival of his birth, we're actually also expecting him to arrive in whatever situation we're in right now. And when Jesus shows up on the scenes, things change. And then, and then we're also in an Advent season waiting for the great arrival, which is the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, so, so we're kind of caught in between two Advents right now. And I put it right there in your notes throughout church history. Advent has had kind of a dual focus on both the incarnation, Jesus's birth, and the second coming, which is Jesus's return. So we're expecting, just like they were expecting before Jesus' birth, we're expecting the great arrival. And so we're going to prepare our hearts for it, just like on in Easter, where we're, where the season of Lent beforehand, where you kind of prepare your heart for Easter. The difference is, is Easter, you normally fast before. And how many know we ain't doing no fasting in December? To God be the glory. <laughs> you ain't pulling that peppermint mocha out of your hand. I know that's true. So... We're just going to prepare our hearts. And my wife did a great devotional last year. It's, it, it went all over the world on the YouVersion Bible app, and you can pull it up. Called It's an Advent a devotional called Come and See. It's 21 days through the book of John. And if you start it tomorrow, you will end it with um, on Christmas Day. It's great for your family to do. And you can just scan that QR code and follow along. I think we had like seven or 8,000 people do it last Christmas with us. And uh, we'd love to have you do it with us. And it's just a great time to prepare your heart for uh, what is going to happen at Christmas and what Christmas really is all about. But I really want to make sure you understand that it's not just about what happened 2,000 years ago, but it's about what is possible in your life today. You see, during those times before Jesus came, it was darkness filled the earth. You had about 700 years where there was no prophet speaking, no scripture being written. It was a dark season, and that's where some people find themselves today. You find yourself in a dark season, but then the angels spoke to Mary, and it was such a beautiful proclamation, and it was actually a quote from Isaiah written 700 years before, but then it was announced that the virgin will conceive, and this is our, our Christmas scripture right here, and give birth to a son. We know that's Jesus, and they will call him, and they gave him the name right here, Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is the, the advent. We're expecting the arrival that God is going to be with us. And when Jesus shows up on whatever scene and whatever scenario in is happening, it brings light into the midst of darkness. That's what happened 2000 years ago. And it's what can happen in your life today. And we know it'll happen for a fact sometime in the near future where Jesus comes back when his second coming and really changes everything for the good. So 
want us to prepare ourselves and really understand what we are expecting when Jesus shows up on the scene. And so I've put together three or four different things over the next couple of weeks that are some attributes, some things that happen when Jesus shows up, when he arrives, and not just when he arrived 2,000 years ago, but when he arrives in your life today. And today, the very first one I want to talk to you about is what I'm calling the arrival of hope. The arrival of hope. You have no clue the power of hope. It has been said that people can go weeks without food. Some of you could go a little longer. You could go days without water. You could go minutes without air, but you can only go seconds without hope. It is hope that keeps us going. And hope is different than faith. Faith is what you trust in. Faith is how we put our belief in God. Faith is in his word. Faith is in the gospel. We have faith. It's our belief. But I really believe in the world today, we don't have a faith problem. We have a hope problem. You see, hope is confident expectation about the results of faith. So it's not just that God can do it, but he will do it for me. That's the difference between faith and hope. Faith is you know things can change, but hope is that you're expecting them to change in your life. Faith is you know God can heal, but hope is that you have an expectation that your healing is on the way. Faith is that you really believe that God can provide. But hope is that God is your provider right now in your life. Faith is where we trust his word. But hope is trust that his word can transform your current situation. We have an issue today because people have lost their hope. And the enemy of your souls always attacks your hope before he attacks your faith. He knows since he can't defeat you, he will discourage you. He knows since he can't come after your salvation, he'll come after your spirit. He wants to get you feeling down so that you eventually get out of this thing. And I believe that God's given me a word today to build your hope yet again, that when Jesus comes on the scene, things can change. Miracles can happen. Relationships can get turned around. God can still do the miraculous. Get your hope up today. Can you give them some praise today, church? You see, it's very interesting that we break down the difference between faith and hope. You know, see, 1 Corinthians tells us that the three greatest attributes a Christian can have are faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. You see, you would look at those three and they're very distinct things that God is calling us to live in. Faith is your belief. It's, it's what, you, what you know, it's what you're putting your confidence in. But your hope is different. Your hope is your expectation. It's the drive that brings about faith in your life. 
And then there's love. Love is your behavior when you act out faith in hope. So there's a lot of Christians that have one of these. Maybe they have a lot of love, but they're not doing anything about it. What are they doing? They lack faith and hope. There's a lot of people that have a lot of faith. They, they believe a lot of big things, but they're not walking in them. Why? Because their hope is gone. And then there's a lot of Christians that have a lot of faith and a lot of hope, and they really are trusting God, but they're just mean. Yeah. You got to have love with it too. Amen. All three of them combined together are what make the Christian a dynamic person that impact their community, impact their family. And really, we have a hope problem in the world today. The Bible says it this way, that hope deferred, it makes the heart sick. It makes the heart sick. You, you see, let me give you a good illustration. Like, like, it's like going to the gym, okay? You have a decision earlier on this year. You're going, this is my year. I have faith that I can lose 15 pounds. I have faith, it's possible. And the way I'm gonna practice that faith is, I'm gonna get a little trainer, I'm gonna get a workout partner, I'm gonna eat a little healthy, I'm gonna go to the gym, I'm gonna make this thing happen. So you do it for a month. You exercise your faith. You're excited about it. And then you get on a scale a month later, and out of those 15 pounds you had to lose, you've only got 20 to go. Come on, how many know what it's like? It wasn't a faith problem from them. What happens? You go, that's it. I'm going back to the drive-thru. Krispy Kreme, here I come. You lost your hope. You thought, man, there's no way. It works for everybody else, but it doesn't work for me. And your hope has been diminished. You see, the, uh, Thomas Fuller says it this way. Hope is the only tie which keeps the heart from breaking. And there's so many Christians walking around today, and it's not a faith problem. They know God can, they just don't think God can for them. They know he heals marriages, but he can't heal my marriage. They know, they, they know that he can bring miracles, but it's not gonna happen for me. We, we've got people walking around without hope. I, I'll give you this little illustration. Um, you know, I like my little illustrations here. The, the idea of it is, is that this, is, this balloon is your faith, okay? So faith is given by God, so we can't have faith without him. So he gives us a measure of faith. So we, we, got, a, we got a balloon. We got something that needs to be filled. What fills our faith? What brings our faith into the fullness of what is possible? Well, it's this thing called hope. So we got a little thing here, so we're gonna fill it full of hope, all right? So when we fill it full of hope, I get all excited, woo, we, we're filled up. And this is how so many of you start your walk with God. And you're all excited and you're believing for the miraculous and you're inviting all your friends to church. You're filled with hope and then the world kind of has its way with you. And what happens is, is your hope starts to leak out because you start to see things. I prayed for it, it didn't happen. I believed for it, it didn't happen. And then eventually what happens is you're, <laughs> you find yourself down and out and your faith feels defeated. And what happened, your, your, your faith, it's, it's not that it's gone, it's just not filled. Why is it not filled? Because you don't have some hope in your life. My desire for this message today is that God would fill your hope yet again. Oh, I want you to be filled up. 
I want you to be expectant of what God can do in your life. I want you to believe that no eye has heard, no eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has in store for those who are filled and filled with him and are led by him. And I'm telling you, get your hope up today. Because I'm telling you, if you'll let God fill you with hope, then you'll start to see your faith come into action and your results that you really want to see happen, happen. But you got to get some hope in your life. Can I hear a good amen today, church? And, And that's what happens. I'll just give you this. That's what happened in 2,000 years ago. Before Jesus came, when he came, the world was filled with darkness. People were without hope. And that's our life without Jesus. When our life is excluded from Christ, we lack hope. Paul says it this way. I want to show it to you. It's right there in your notes. Paul says, remember that at the time you were separated from Christ. I want you to remember, this is the results of being separated from Christ. And by the way, if you're at one of our campuses today and you don't have a relationship with Christ, this is how you're living right now. He says you're excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners of the covenant of the promise. Like you're put outside of God's family. You're not able to experience God's promises. And then he says you are without, shout it out loud. Oh, how be at all campuses, you're without what? You're without hope and without without God in this world. That's what life is like, excluded from Christ. And that's why Jesus came. You see, the the prophet Isaiah announced it 700 years before Jesus came. And what did he say? The root of Jesse will spring up the one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles will do what? So, so, so when you're looking for hope today, it's not going to be in some thing or some, man, if I can get myself talked up enough, I'll get hope again. No, it is in Jesus that we hope. Hope, I want you to hear this across all of our campuses today. Hope is not a thing, it's a person, and his name is Jesus. Hope is Jesus. Our advent is that we are waiting for the arrival of hope that is, that is Jesus. Matthew says it this way. In his name, the nations will put their hope. You get hope when you experience Jesus. So I want to put the focus all on him. This, this whole series is a Jesus series. We're, we're going to make it all about him, all for him, as we are in Advent awaiting the arrival of his second coming, but also celebrating his first coming and realizing what happens when he shows up in our life today. Let me tell you why we have hope because of Jesus. Number one, write it down. We have hope because Jesus fulfilled prophecies. He fulfilled prophecies. The Old Testament is filled with around 300 detailed prophecies that outline what the Messiah would be, and Jesus fulfilled every single one. This is a big deal. Now, let me put it in context for you. Imagine that you're single. Imagine you're a single Christian guy or girl, and you are just following God, and you go, you know what? I'm going to make a list of what I want in a spouse. And you start making your dream list, and your dream list is 300 items. You crazy. <laughs> and a little too picky. But let's say you do this. Just, 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 uh, you know, you're going to put God to a test in this thing. And you're going to write out this list. And it's like really, really detailed. How you're going to meet the person, what they're going to be wearing, how they're going to smile at you, what kind of music they like. I mean, and you're going to put the whole list. you got to think 300 items. And then next week, 
You show up at one of our campuses and you hear about open house and you go, man, well, you know, I've always believed that on my list of the top things, I'm going to meet my person at church. So, so I've heard you meet people at open house. So I'm going to show up at open house and you get there and you go, okay, well, I'm going to find it. And right next to you, a guy sits down and he looks at you and he smiles. And you go, oh my gosh, sitting down to me at church and smiling. Those were two things on my list. And then he's wearing like an essentials t-shirt. And you're like, that was one of the number 87 on the list. And then he's going to ask for salt and pepper. And oh, I've always dreamed of somebody that asked for salt and pepper. And then that, that's another thing on the list. But then as you start to meet this guy, he, he starts to check off all boxes, 300 boxes. Meet that girl. She's checking off all these boxes, 300 boxes. How many of you know that your hope would be pretty high that, you know what, if this person met all of these requirements, they probably my spouse. That's probably it. Your, your hope would be high because there was fulfillment in what you were dreaming for. That's what happened 2,000 years ago. You see, the Old Testament is packed full of 300 different prophecies about Jesus. 27 of these prophecies were fulfilled on a single day, the day that Jesus was, um, was betrayed. The prophecies like he would be betrayed by a friend, forsook by disciples. The price of how much he would be betrayed for, 30 pieces of silver, was written down a thousand years before Jesus was betrayed for that. That's a big deal. You also have that money that would be thrown back into the house of the Lord. Details of the torture of the Jesus, the crucifixion, the crown of thorns, dividing up his garment. He wouldn't open his mouth. His side would be pierced. His heart would be broken. None of his bones would be broken. And he would be crucified between two centers. 27 of those were fulfilled on a single day. You, I mean, tell you, when you look at the odds, I did a little math on this thing. The odds of one person fulfilling the prophecies that are over 800 years old, just one person fulfilling eight of those prophecies is one with 17 zeros behind it, which is 100 quadrillion. That's the odds that this is gonna happen. It's not gonna happen unless God's involved in it. And that's just one in eight. One in 300 prophecies being fulfilled by one person, that's only possible because God was orchestrating the thing of it. So when you look at the prophecies in the Old Testament, you are filled with hope to know Jesus wasn't just another man or another teacher or another rabbi. Jesus was the promised Messiah that came for you and for me. And now we can have faith in him and our hope is built because Jesus is who he said he is and who was promised way before. That's good news for us, church. Our advent is an advent of hope because Jesus came. Scripture said it this way, for everything that was written, I love this verse right here, was written in the past, talking about the Old Testament, to teach us so that through the endurance taught in scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have what? hope. Do you see it right there? Like when you read the Old Testament, that's why we as a church, we go through the Bible in a year. We're going to start at January 1st again. We've all gone through it this year. We're going to go through it again. And I'm telling you, when you read the Old Testament, sometimes it's difficult, but when you read it, you recognize and you go, wait, Jesus fulfilled all of this. Jesus, Jesus was, he, he made all of this happen. This is all pointing to him. And when we look at it, we go, oh, we have hope because Jesus came because Jesus came. And here's good news for you today. I want you to understand this, that you can have hope because Jesus's past performance is the best predictor of his future behavior. 
So we look at what Jesus did and we go, because he did that, he can do it again in our life today. The Bible says God is not a human that he should lie. He is not a human being that he should change his mind. If God promised it, he will fulfill it. And he did it when Jesus was born 2,000 years ago, and he'll do it in your life today. He fulfilled the Old Testament promises then. He'll fulfill the New Testament promises now for your life. He'll never leave you and forsake you. He'll turn all things around for the good. He will heal your body. He can redeem your past. God can fulfill promises that should bring us hope. Come on, somebody. Brings us hope. Preach a little bit different now that I'm in my 40s. Just want you to get that. <laughs> Still getting over that. Because Jesus fulfilled past prophecies, we can have hope that he will also keep his present promises. I don't know what promise you're holding on to today. But don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. But Aaron, it's been a long time. Don't lose hope. But Aaron, I haven't seen the results. Don't lose hope. If God has said it, he can do it in your life. He did it 2,000 years ago when he was born as that baby in a manger. He fulfilled what was spoken about and he can fulfill what he's spoken over your life today. We have hope because Jesus fulfills prophecies. Number two, we have hope because Jesus conquered sin. He conquered sin. This is good news for us today because sin is the problem that is the result of all the issues in the world today. I know people don't like to talk about sin, but sin is the root of all of it. Humanity's issues today are rooted in sin. Why are countries at war with each other? One word, sin. Sin causes it. Sin brings selfishness. It brings, it brings anger. It brings resentment. Sin, it's the problem. Why are calories bad and they're in food? Why? Sin. Sin did that. We're gonna have a big talk with Adam and Eve one day when we get to heaven. Ruins so many of our good foods. Sin, why do people have cats as pets? Sin, sin is the issue. You thought I was gonna get through my 40th birthday without having one cat joke, it ain't gonna happen. Sin, sin is the root issue of everything we have in the world today. The Bible says it this way, therefore, just as one man, sin entered the world and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sin. Sin is the problem. No matter what's broken in your life today, sin's the issue. It's wrecking our globe and it's wrecking your life also. Here's how I say it, ready? Is that sin adds to your trouble, it subtracts from your energy, and it multiplies your difficulties. Sin is an issue that has wrecked humanity. And my challenge for you is, is we gotta get this stuff out of our life. The Bible tells us that it's our sin that separates us from God. Sin always separates relationships. It'll separate your marriage, it'll separate you and your kids, it'll separate you and your coworkers, and it separates your relationship with God. So there has to be a solution for sin. And that's what has happened for thousands of years. Humanity has been trying to come up with a solution to their sin. And it's not just in the past, even today. You talk to people and go, man, why, why are you going to heaven? Well, I do some nice things. Your, your solution to your sin is you do some nice things. I gave some money away. I, I, my good outweighs my bad. No, 
No, our sin is an issue that has to be dealt with. So how do we deal with it? Well, in the Old Testament, what they had in the Old Covenant is they had a solution called the animal sacrifices. And animals would be sacrificed based off the sin. So, so if you had some kind of sin, they'd bring a bird or, or a goat or a lamb or a, or a bull, and, and they would sacrifice it. And some of y'all would have killed some major animals. Like some of y'all this last weekend, a lot of animals would have died. A lot of them. Because you just, you, we, we all sin. We all have issues. And the result of that is that I want you to get the theology behind it. I, I know this is a deeper thing for December. Let me just give it to you. The theology behind it is in the Old Testament, when someone would, would sacrifice a bull or a goat or a lamb, it would simply cover their sin. It would cover it so that God wouldn't, wouldn't see it. It would appease God as it covered the sin. It was a temporary solution to a major problem. So the sacrifice was temporary, and then you have to sacrifice again and again and again. But then Jesus came, and I want you to get this, because when John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, his cousin, goes before him and announces him there in the Jordan River, and he announces him, he looks up and he says, there he saw him, and he says, look, the Lamb of God. Now, people would have known that. This is the Lamb that needed to be sacrificed. But then they tagged this phrase on the end of it that changed everything. This is why you gotta read your Bible slow. Listen to this. He goes, look, there's the Lamb of God who doesn't cover your sins. It's not a temporary thing. It's not an appeasement for a little bit. It's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. As far as the east is from the west, that's what Jesus did for us. He's the ultimate sacrifice for your sins and for mine. How can we have hope? Because Jesus conquered what nobody else can conquer. And because of that, you can now overcome what everybody else can't overcome. That's good news for us. Peter says it this way, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth, which by the way, if you've never given your life to Christ, you can experience this today. Amen. New birth into a living, what? Hope. Living hope. What is the living hope? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There, there's a living hope. It's that we can experience Christ. We can experience victory. And since Christ saved us, our hope, and I want you to get this, since he did this in the past, our hope is that since he saved us then, he can sustain us now. Our hope is that since Christ redeemed us then, he can rescue us now. Our hope is that since he's called us then now he can care for us. Our hope is that since he sent us, he will supply for us. When we look at what Jesus has done, we get hope to go, if he started the work in my life, he will be faithful to complete it in my life. He didn't just save me to abandon me. No, he saved me to now equip me to be all that he's called me to be. Can we give him a little bit of praise? Aren't we thankful that he's our hope? He started the work. And because he overcame what he overcame on the cross, we can live victorious. That's why the great hymn is written this way. My hope is built on nothing less. In Jesus' blood and righteousness. I would sing it for you, but I'll spare you. 
He goes, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. I love that. In other words, what is my hope built on? My hope built is on what Jesus did on the cross was enough. It saved me. It forgave me, and now it'll equip me and empower me and sustain me to do all that God's called to do with my life. You can have hope today because your sins are forgiven. Can I hear a good amen, church? Amen. Number three, we'll close with this one. And by the way, before I do this, for all of our campuses right now, there's a bunch of people who have put their hope in Christ. Amen. They have made their decision to follow Christ, and now they're making their decision public in front of their friends and family, and we're so excited for you. And if you're one of those that are getting baptized today, we want to honor you. Why don't you stand your feet at all of our campuses if you're one of those getting baptized. We're going to release you to go get dressed, get ready. It's just in a couple minutes y'all can head on out. In a couple minutes, we'll bring y'all right back in, or some of our campuses have to do it out after a service, and we will um, baptize those and celebrate with them. But um, aren't we glad that we're saved? Man, I see people coming out of that water every single time. It builds my hope. Jesus is still changing lives, still saving people. Why do we have hope? Well, Jesus fulfilled prophecies. If he did it then, he can fulfill it now. We have hope because he overcame sin, and if he overcame the most difficult thing called sin, he can overcome whatever you're going through. That builds my hope. Number three, we have hope because Jesus secured our future. He secured it. He secured our future. And I think a lot of people are frustrated right now in the world today because they go, I just don't know what the future holds. And we don't know what the future holds, but we do know who holds it. We do know who's in charge. You go, well, everything's falling apart. And it might fall apart, but it's not falling apart. But Jesus is still good. He's still in control. And as chaotic as it looks right now, one day it's going to all make sense. One day Jesus is going to return. One day he's going to redeem this whole thing. And one day, it's going to all, like, it's going to click and go, oh. And that's our hope. Our hope is in the one day, in the hope that we have in the future. Titus says it this way, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. I want you to get this. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. Like this present age, doesn't matter if what the world does, we're called to live righteous, godly lives. And then he says it like this, while we wait, and I love this phrase, for the blessed hope. Oh, there's a blessed hope that's coming. There's a blessed hope. What is that blessed hope? He goes, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now you're gonna experience that one of two ways. You're either gonna experience it that one day when we get to stand before God, and you're gonna have that moment where we get to, get to heaven, and, and that's how most of us will experience it. But there'll be a group that'll experience it one day when Jesus returns. And he returns to this earth and reestablishes this kingdom. We see it all throughout scripture. And we have hope. Either way, our hope is that one day we're gonna see Jesus. One day we're gonna spend an eternity in heaven. And our, as Christians, I want you to get this, our hope isn't in just what Jesus has done, but it's in what Jesus will do. He will do. He is. He is right now. The Bible tells us he is working things together. He's working out the plan in your life. He's working out. It's like a chess piece. He's making it happen in your life. 
That's why John tells us, or Jesus spoke to his disciples, he says, so don't let your hearts be troubled. And you know what that phrase means? Across all of our campuses, here's what it means. Don't lose hope. Don't get deflated. And Jesus said it this way, you believe in God, believe also in me. Like, look at me. Look at, that's what Jesus is saying, I'm the hope. He goes in my father's house and he brings it to heaven. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you with me so that you can be where I am. One day we will leave this life and we will be with Jesus in the place that he has prepared for us. That's good news, church. I've heard it said, it's kind of, you know, tongue in cheek that, you know, that, that Jesus, it, it took him six days, six days to create everything we see today. Six days, create the, the universe and the stars and the, the, the trees and the, the beautiful earth that we have today. Six days of creation to do that. Yet 2000 years ago, he told us he was gonna go and prepare a place for us. So six days and he created all that we're seeing. He's been working 2,000 years to prepare the place that we're going next. I'm telling you, it's gonna be beautiful. It's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be incredible. It's not something to, to shy away from. It's the blessed hope that we have that one day we're gonna be in heaven with him. That's why Thomas Brooks says it this way, hope can see heaven through the thickest clouds. Some of you, your life is dark and deflated and you feel defeated. Get your hope up today. Get your hope up today. And let's believe God for what he wants to do in your life and through your life. Here's my prayer over you across all of our campuses right now with your eyes closed. I wanna believe this over you right now. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how, who feels defeated or deflated, but today I'm believing your hope is gonna be raised back up yet again. All across Tampa Bay, if you're in here today, you go, Aaron, uh, my hope, it feels defeated. It feels frustrated. I, I feel like I need to believe again. I need to dream again. Come on, just throw a hand up to heaven right now, all over this place, hundreds of hands raised. Lord, you see them. We pray that prayer from Romans over them right now. God raise their hope up again to believe you, to trust you, to believe that all things can turn around for the good. And we thank you for what you're gonna do in us and through us as our hope is being raised up in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.